All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sex Cells podcast, the podcast where we talk about dating, culture, and society from a male and a female perspective today. Oh, it's a fun one today. We are going to talk about the friend zone, but specifically uh, the sorts of people who are always getting friend zone. If you find yourself always in the friend zone, this podcast is for you, and we're going to get into that at the three-minute mark. Before we do, a couple of announcements and sponsors. So the first big announcement is there is no more subscriptions for the podcasts. Uh, if you are a listener of Neil and Jordan, that one is on an indefinite hiatus. There's just a lot going on in Jordan's life, as I'm sure you can imagine after what happened to him last year. So I've decided to just pause all the sponsorships, uh, sorry, all the subscriptions for now. And over the last two years, we raised $11,140 for charity. So big pat yeah. on the back for all of you who were subscribers. And that's a huge amount of money. Yeah. And thank you uh, on behalf of all the people who are going to be beneficiaries from that money as well. That's an incredible amount when you hear it like that. Uh, we'll probably introduce some new subscription options or some question options eventually for sex cells, but I'm just in the process of figuring out what those may be and how we'll go about it. So stay tuned. Um, this podcast is sponsored by Crush Organics. Crush have a huge range of CBD oils and CBD oil products. Uh, they've got the pain cream. They've got the gummies. They've got regular CBD oil, diamond CBD oil if you're hardcore. I take a few drops of that before bed every night, sleep like a baby. Although from what I've heard, babies don't sleep very well. So <laughs> I sleep like a toddler, like a child, whoever sleeps well. Uh, that's me on Crush Organics. So go to crushorganics.com, use the code Neil, N-E-E-L, and that's Crush Organics with a K. We've got comedy untamed shows all across the East Coast. Well, Melbourne, Sydney, and Newcastle, that's basically the East Coast. The Melbourne show is popping off. I was there last Thursday, and they're really developing their own style, their own vibe to the show. It's right in the CBD of Melbourne. So go to comedyuntamed.com if you want to see a great comedy slash improv show. They hand out shots to people who get involved on stage. So if that's you like great. shots, go to Comedy Untamed in Melbourne. And other than that, uh, thank you once again to everyone who has subscribed. If you're new to Sex Cells, if you've migrated from Neil and Jordan, welcome. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. Right. Eliza, you telling me it's your day off today? You enjoying it? Loving it. I'm, I feel bad. Like every time we talk these days, I have nothing exciting to report. Back in the day, I'd be like, this happened, this happened. <laughs> now I'm like, yeah. It's the same, same old. Same old, same old. It's not <laughs> Yeah, like... so the only news I had today was, oh, Adrian's looking up for the baby all day. <laughs> I feel like it's not. So exciting. If, if you're single, it's not as though you just live a crazy lifestyle either. Most people just have repetitive lives, don't they? I would say so, yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's like this weird stereotype where, oh, if you're a, if you're a parent, everything's boring and repetitive. But the vast majority of single people are living repetitive and boring lives as well. <laughs> Who's out there living this crazy adventurous life? Even people who are self-expressed adventurers, I swear all their adventures are, are like going for a bushwalk and going to a cafe every weekend. <laughs> That's and literally like, me. I love adventures. <laughs> That's not an adventure. That's a repetitive bushwalk. Just living. 
Yeah, yeah it's living. <laughs> That's being out in nature. Yeah. Uh, have you have you been doing any uh, nature oriented activities lately? Yeah, I went for a bushwalk <laughs> like yesterday. And there you go. Um, with Remy, I had him strapped to my chest the whole time. It was sweaty and hot. It was way too hot, but it was fun. So there you go. I don't call them adventures. We call them bub ventures, which is cringe, but that's what we do. What's been happening with you though? I think you should lean into all the cringy mummy talk. I, I can't. I'm, I know I'm becoming that person. I always post photos of him on my Instagram and I'm like, oh. Full-time mummy to this <laughs> yeah. little bub. <laughs> I don't post the captions yet. Sometimes just a little love heart. You're going to get that. I bet you in another year you're going to be a full-time <laughs> Insta mum. Shit. <laughs> it's going yeah, to anyway. happen. Uh, what's been happening with me? Nothing, just just the usual as well. Like I, I'm still trying to push those shows a lot and we're slowly expanding. It's very exciting. Um, we're uh, currently looking to start up a Brisbane show, the Geelong show. I know I've said this a few podcasts, but the Geelong show should definitely be on sale. Uh, so Comedy on Tame's a big focus. I'm enjoying doing all the sort of serious videos that I'm doing on my YouTube channel and and still doing the sketches and just doing stand-up and um, living. Still with your lover? Yes, still Andrew and I going, going strong nearly two years. So. Oh my god, god time. I feel like in my head it's just a brand new relationship. God, it just flies so fast, doesn't it? Yeah, it still feels new, which is good. Uh, even though it's clearly not, but uh it it's 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 wonderful. So, you know what? Probably thanks to you and this podcast that it is so wonderful. Um Aww. although I've had a few relationships in the past that weren't so wonderful, but uh, look, it was probably more me. So this one's good. It makes me feel like, hey, I actually can be a good boyfriend. So Aww, that's very nice. And she's lovely too. Yes. Yeah, you really? guys finally met. Um, when was that? A couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Got to see Remy. That was very cute. Very wholesome. <laughs> you got the you got the family dog, the baby, <laughs> nice little house out in the central coast, living the dream. Yeah, that was a cute little visit. <laughs> the Australian dream. Okay, so... Friend zoning. This is, this is a nice change to some of our more recent podcasts, which were very serious. So, uh, we've done a podcast about the friend zone a couple of months ago, maybe even years ago now. Feels weird to say that. Yeah, I don't ago. even remember that. <laughs> uh, so, I think we can cover this topic again. And I want to focus on people who feel like they're constantly getting friend zone. So, there's uh, a lot of a lot of men, a lot of younger men who tend to have this complaint. Ah, oh, I I get really close to a girl. I go on a few dates. And I always get friend zone or I, or I always get, oh, you're so nice or you're like a brother to me or, you know, basically uh, I like you and I like your attributes, but I don't necessarily want to date you. I'm not romantically interested in you. And you know, there's a couple of responses to that. Some people perceive this as actually a, a, a sexist trope where oh, you, you only see value in women if they're sexually interested in you. And a lot of men see this as, well, I feel like I'm being almost gaslit by the the wider community because I hear all these attributes that are supposedly so in demand and uh, so well liked by women and younger women who are in, on the dating scene and yet these just don't seem to get me anywhere and it almost feels like there's a lopsided problem for each gender here where women face too much sexualization and then there's all these friends own men who would love to be sexualized every now and again because uh, after yeah. a while if you're if you're constantly being told how nice you are yet 
no one wants to date you, you start to doubt yourself. You think, am I not attractive? Am I, am I not worthy of love? Uh, am, I, am I not uh, a, a sexual opportunity for other people? And it can lead to a lot of insecurity mm. and it can lead to a lot of overthinking. And look, even in, when I was younger, I, I got friend-zoned a fair bit. Uh, so I, I know what it's like. Uh, most men mm. know, know what it's like. And it, it, it's not nice. I'm, we're not here saying that it's the worst thing that can happen in the world. It's definitely not. But it's not nice if it's happening persistently and you feel like you just don't know what you're doing wrong. So mm. uh, I think I've got a, few, got a few theories as to why a certain person might be getting friend zone more than others. But what are your uh, introductory thoughts on this topic? Oh, I have heaps of thoughts about this, but I interestingly, anytime a younger guy messages my Instagram, my podcast Instagram, it's always about being friend zoned. Always. It's like the older men, older men, the older guys like <laughs> like our age. I'm like twenty eight, so old. <laughs> Anyone above twenty five that messages me is usually about their relationship and things like that, or just positive feedback and nice things. Anyone under 25, it's always about why am I getting friend zoned? This happens to me all the time, like heaps and heaps of essays trying to say what went wrong here, this is what I did, this is what she said, all the time. Um, And it's really hard when I am put into that position to answer that because I'm like I don't know your personality. So there's a lot of different ways it could be. Is it one that you're not, you know, igniting any sexual interest? Is it true you're dating you're going after a specific woman or three other blind spots to you that you're not seeing. Um, and I think that that actually is more of a leading factor than most people realize yet the least acknowledge that there are parts of someone's personality that they're not even understanding that they have themselves. Um, so those are my initial thoughts. What, what about you? What would be an example of some of those parts of someone's personality that is uh, continually landing okay. in the friend zone? Well, I, sorry, don't hate me, but once upon a time I have been a chronic friend zoner. Um, and in that time of my life, I was way too nice to basically men um, as a young, younger woman um, and making sure that they felt really comfortable and also wanting to keep myself um, safe after having so many, every time I felt like I was being truly honest about how I felt about someone, if I didn't really connect with them, I've so often met with aggression or like abuse and those kind of things. So I think that what women are conditioned to be polite and be, you know, nice and let people down gently, that's really part of, um, I guess, just, yeah, social conditioning. And I think that it's much more comfortable to say like, you're so nice and you're so lovely. Um, I had a really great time, but I just don't feel a spark there. I'd love to be your friend instead, etc. It's much more comfortable to say that than to say, I actually find that you're a little bit egotistical or I find that your views um, are offensive to me or whatever. Um, so now I don't, I wouldn't do that now. I mean, I'm basically married, but <laughs> if basically. I was single, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't do it. <laughs> oh, you engaged. haven't actually had the marriage. I would forget about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm planning it. It keeps getting pushed back because I've got a baby. Um, but yeah, so I, I would encourage anyone that gets friend zone to actually say like, I, you know, I want to open the space for just a completely honest conversation. Do you have any 
you know, not maybe not necessarily feedback, but is, is there more to this? This is a safe space for you to tell me like what you truly thought about why we didn't connect. Um, was it an attraction? Was there an issue and things like that? Because the people that I have tended to friend zone previously are always the ones that also describe themselves as I'm a really honest, hardworking guy. I am this, I'm really loyal, I'm devoted, I'm ABC, all these things that sound great, but then I'm seeing things in them that I'm like, this is not, I do not see that in you at all. Um, I see things that, or behaviors or traits that I'm like, this is red flags to me or serious incompatibilities. Um, And yes, of course, it'd be, easier or would be great to be able to say, um, you know, I, I just don't think we're compatible for ABC, but unfortunately you'd be surprised how many people get so abusive just being told that. Um, so I do think that this is more common of a factor and just on that as a little branch off as well, I think because it's so, um, and this is a heterosexual couple, you know, situation I'm talking about women and men. Um, and it's very ingrained in women and also probably in gay men and things like that, other people um, in the LGBT community that to be hyper aware of our surroundings and our safety. And because we're always analyzing that and the people we meet, especially going on dates and things like that, we trust our intuition so strongly. So sometimes you meet someone, you can't even put a word to it, but you're just immediately like, no, this isn't going to happen. Um, and we might be analyzing things or picking up things in our body. Um, and that's why they always say women's intuition, you know, it's a saying. Um, so saying, I just see you as a friend is the gentlest letdown possible, whether or not it actually is the reason why they're not dating you. Mm, okay. Does so that make sense? That was a big ramble. Uh, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Uh, the issue with that is the people who receive that message then rarely have the ability to reflect upon their behavior because they're receiving a positive yeah. message and yeah. thinking, "Well, what? I'm just, I'm just a nice guy all the time. I'm, I have all these great qualities, but you still don't want to date me, so I'm getting these mixed messages. Mm-hmm. Um, I think men need to be more aware of uh, responding in an aggressive way so that it creates the space for people to be honest with someone that they're not romantically interested in without feeling like they're going to cop a bunch of abuse. Uh, Having said that, if you've gone on two or three dates with someone and they've told you, ah, I'm not romantically interested in you, and you respond with a message saying, hey, uh, I just want to offer up a safe space for you to give me some honest feedback on my attributes of what you actually thought and why I maybe wasn't a romantic uh, match for you. I don't know if uh, people would get I would love that. That already makes my heart just beat. Like I'd probably be like, oh, my God, this message was so emotionally (laughs) mature. I'll probably change my mind. (laughs) There you go. That might get them out of the friend zone. But I, I just can't see that. That's also yeah. asking a lot from the other person. It almost feels like a professional relationship more than anything. Yeah, Can I have some honest that's... feedback about my character because yeah. we're obviously very guarded with uh, our attributes and our character uh, when it comes to dating. We're very we're very vulnerable in that situation, and it's 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 extraordinarily difficult to open yourself up to constructive criticism from yeah. someone you've only known for two dates. And it would I would assume it would be quite an uncomfortable position for that person who did the friend zoning 
to be able yeah, to have that conversation. I mean, it's I've, also I, not their responsibility to be like, these are your flaws. You need to work on it. Maybe a simpler way would be, okay, fair enough. Um, thanks for letting me know. Just curious, what what incompatibilities did you see? Or what was the misalignment here? So rather than being like, can I have feedback? Or it's just like, what makes us incompatible? I'm just curious. No pressure to respond or whatever. Can, Might be a more I think opening you can, way. You can try that. But even then, I, I if because there's a few instances when I was single where I told someone, hey, I'm not really feeling a romantic connection. I'm just trying to think if they sent me a message saying, could I ask what those incompatibilities were? Uh feel like I was under a lot of pressure there and, and think, well, I, I don't, how honest do you want me to be at this point? Because <laughs> sometimes it's also just an overall yeah. feeling. It's not necessarily, yeah, it's just the overall feeling of attraction isn't there. You can't necessarily put yeah. your finger on what exactly the factor yeah. or factors were that, uh, that, yeah, denied the ability for that attraction to manifest. Now, I, I would recommend a book to a lot of those younger guys in that situation. There's a book called No More Mr. Nice Guy. And I remember reading that when I was, I think, 24 or 25. And that is one of those books that really did change my life. I think a lot of these guys who sort of self-identify as the the nice guy, they have well, they 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 have a nice guy gaze where they think all oh, these other men who maybe have more dominant or confident or masculine traits must be jerks because yeah. they're abrupt and because they're potentially mm-hmm. abrasive and they're loud and they're boisterous and they go to the gym. None of those uh, none of those correlate with being an asshole. There's certain stereotypes that have emerged in society, so there's a few people who have those traits that tend to be assholes, but as I'm sure you would agree, there's plenty of uh, self-described nice guys who also happen to be Asshole. So saying you're the nice guy is just like saying I'm the I'm such a good person. I'm such a nice person. Well, everyone thinks they're a nice person. Everyone thinks they're a good person. It's a pretty simplistic and underwhelming way to identify yourself, to be honest, because I think that just should be a permanent attribute of anyone's character. Yeah, that's the bare minimum. That's what I always say. Like, okay, we know you're nice, but everyone should be nice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like that's and, the standard. And, and now look, I, I had some views like like that, particularly my late yeah. teen years, because uh I wasn't as boisterous and, and sport oriented as some of the other guys in my high school and even the peer group around me in university. And I I sort of saw them as quite brutish and uncouth. And so I developed mm-hmm. this narrative of, oh, they're uneducated and I'm the nice, smart guy and if only women saw that. Well, really, I'm just uh, concocting a narrative that makes me feel better about my situation yeah. when if, a, if dudes drink a, drink beers and go to the gym and I know the stereotype is, oh, those are the guys that are more likely to be sexist. But uh, as a guy who now does drink beers and go to the gym, I, I kind of resent that stereotype. I don't think that correlation is as uh, pronounced as society may have you believe. Uh, so I, I recommend that book, No More Mr. Nice Guy. It's a, it's a, it's a good middle ground uh, without telling people to be this Andrew Tate-style hyper-masculine person who never takes shit from anyone and, and just constantly hits on every woman. 
but not being a pushover as well. There's times in your life where sometimes you shouldn't be the nice person if someone's actually, and I'm not talking about dating here, obviously, I'm just saying maybe in a professional relationship or a family relationship, if you're always being the nice guy or the nice person, well, you're going to get walked over. And and sometimes people can actually sense that and, and people don't want that in a romantic partner. They don't want someone who is... Uh, not going to be able to stand up for themselves and, and stand up for their partner. They want someone who, uh, when the context uh, deems it to be necessary, can stand up for themselves. And I think a lot of uh, people who see themselves as the nice guy are actually people pleasers and nothing necessarily wrong with that until someone who actually wants to take advantage of you comes along and those people exist. And then it's not a good attribute. Then it is, it's, it's, it's a vulnerability, but it's a negative vulnerability. And you have to be okay uh, saying no to people. You have to be okay having boundaries. I mean, this is something that mm-hmm. women talk amongst themselves a lot about. And I think um, guys need to hear this as well. Uh, and again, I'm not just talking about dating here, but these sorts of attributes will also determine your dating success. Uh, but the problem with this sort of message is without an adequate amount of emotional intelligence, it can become a very potentially dangerous message. If you're telling people, don't be a pushover, there are times when you need to stand up for yourself. Well, a, a man who maybe lacks a certain degree of emotional intelligence can take that upon himself to think, yeah, I can just I can just go up to anyone at the bar and um, not read any emotional cues or signals and I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm going to keep going. So really the thing everyone should be developing is, uh, is emotional intelligence. And there's a little bro science theory. I, I just came up with actually before this podcast. So by all means, tell me if I'm being an idiot here. Um, but, uh, it's far, it's far more, it's safer for, for women and just society at large to encourage, emotional intelligence in men and and not to say things like we want a man to be confident and masculine and dominant even though in certain contexts uh if it's someone that you might be attracted to or if it's a partner and it might be in the bedroom a lot of people do want uh dominance and uh an emotionally intelligent display of male power if you want to put it that way (laughs) but if you say things like that and and people adopt those ideas without the emotional intelligence, that becomes very dangerous. If you start to tell mm-hmm. young boys, yeah, you should be you should be masculine, you should be dominant. Well, without an adequate level of emotional intelligence, that is really dangerous. Whereas emotional intelligence without the masculinity is not dangerous. It might not necessarily always be the most attractive thing, but it's not dangerous. And so I wonder if um you know, collectively there's that kind of underlying phenomenon going on, but that could just be me uh, just being an idiot. Um, But uh, I I, I think uh, the other thing I'll just say, I've talked for a little bit here, uh, is that you shouldn't be defining yourself based on what women or what society is asking for you. Now, there's, there's, again, there's always nuance and fine lines and, gray areas to something like that. But if you are just thinking to yourself, oh, what do I have to do to to get out of the friend zone? Well, well, there you go. That's the fact that you're thinking that way is probably a reason why you're getting friend zone because you're putting women on a pedestal and you think I can only 
have value if I, I'm attractive to, mm-hmm. to women, whereas often by actually having more value just in, in the things you're doing in maybe your career and, and the way you present yourself and the habits that you uh, maintain, that then becomes attractive. It's sort of the more you, you, you push for something, the more you try to force something, uh, isn't that just like the basic law of attraction, the further it will be repelled from you. So uh, yeah. now you can, again, do that in an unhealthy way by being a fuckboy and kind of manipulating people, which that would be an interesting thing to explore. A lot of, a lot of guys, I suppose, go down the, the nice guy fuckboy pipeline, if you want to call it that, where they're so sick of becoming of being a nice guy that they just become a villain and try to become a bad boy, but behind that bad boy persona is uh, a nice guy who was hurt. And yeah. that's, um, oh, look, if you want to be a fuckboy and you're not, you know, you're not doing it unethically and you just sort of want to sleep around and you, you make that clear and you're upfront about it, I guess go for it. But I don't think it's the best way to live your life. Uh, but uh, I just think a lot of guys who, who are putting on that, particularly young guys who are putting on that bad boy facade or I got to neg the girl every time and I got to just oh, be a, yeah. an, 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 an asshole to her. Uh, that's all, almost like a coping mechanism. It's a defense mechanism um, for uh, protecting themselves from the, the hurt of being rejected uh, when they're being what they feel like is their genuine self. And also I, one last thing, and again, I'm talking a lot here, <laughs> okay. but um, younger girls are very different to uh women yeah. our age and yes. it's a lot of Very inexperience there and yeah. you know some things that maybe they might be more attracted to excitement yes rather than uh features of uh, a, a quality partner and that can happen for quite a few you know from say people start dating 14 15 sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes even central coast probably 12 and <laughs> Then you know they're they're <laughs> dating those sorts of people, really? yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, from say you know it could be it could be thirteen, fourteen to twenty five, twenty six, and then they start to realize oh, I'm going to look for these other things. And by then, you know, men have, for ten years. If you if you you to a certain I know I just said you should try you should not let yourself be determined by what other people want from you, but to a certain extent we're not immune to that. We are social creatures, and we're going to try to emulate the sort of behavior that is going to uh, bring about success in the in the dating world. Mm. And if there's a lot of younger girls who want excitement and who want maybe even a bit of drama, you are going to try to um, in- integrate that into your personality. And uh, that creates um, issues either way. So anyway, those are my <laughs> long yeah. couple of thoughts on friend zoning and, and tell me what you think about all of that. I think you're spot on and there's a reason why men that are fuck boys, and I know people hate when I use examples, but like Harrison from Married at First Sight, there's a reason why people like that date 19-year-old girls even though they're 30 because when you're young and you're not looking to settle down, that is exciting. Someone that's attractive, sexy, you know, super hyper-masculine, this is, you know, I'm just speaking generically to a lot of um, straight women um, at young. But then when you're older, those traits of that person might be absolutely disgusting because you're not going to settle down with that. I remember when I dated someone um, who at that point, you know, was the greatest love of my life. We had a very like 
passionate, fiery relationship with lots of up and downs. We did for a couple of years. My family loved him, but my mum was like to me, Eliza, like settle down with someone that is one, stable, and two, is going to be a good father to your kids, That you, knowing that I wanted kids. Um, and as I got older and I broke up with him and things like that, it's so interesting how what I viewed in a partner and what I wanted and what I found attractive changed drastically. And it's the same with men. Like, you know, they say, this is just anecdotal, but they say that um, men will at one point be very attracted when they're younger to a certain type of woman that might be, say, like slim and active and all these things. Or um, when they get a bit older or more ready to settle down, they actually subconsciously may become more attractive. And I say maybe become more attractive to women that show childbearing qualities like hips um, or boobs. Um, so that's an interesting little thing that, you know, our, our traits and desires do change over time, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously. But yeah, what we want as a young person is very different to what we want. I guess it's what what do you want out of your relationship um, is what it comes down to. So I think that's a really good point. And I like what you said about, you know, the nice guy kind of describing yourself as a nice guy because it can become dangerous. And I feel like when you you know you're a really nice person or you feel that you're a really nice person, yet you're getting constantly rejected or walked over because you're a people pleaser, you build resentment. And then when you're resentful, that's how, you know, the extreme is you may become an incel. Um, and that's, that's really how it's born out of resentment. And I think that people don't realize that having strong boundaries and being assertive is not mutually exclusive with being a nice person. And you can actually be both. Like my, my friend's husband is one of those, you know, everyone describes him as really, really nice. And she said, if anyone ever insulted him, it would literally be because he's too nice. Um, yet at the same point, he's, she was telling me about how someone didn't come to the wedding and instead of being like, oh, we won't say anything, he called him up literally the day after or whatever after their wedding and was like, hey, mate, just wondering why didn't you come? Um, and the person kind of gave a bullshit example of why he didn't go to the wedding and the husband was like, I know that's not true but that's okay. Like, I know you're not telling the truth. That's okay. And that is a perfect example of niceness with assertiveness and boundaries as well, that you can literally have all of them. Um, and people, like you said, that can be these self-proclaimed nice guys might look at someone that gets a woman and see those traits of assertiveness and be like, no, they're dickheads. And no, that's actually maybe a narrative that you've created yourself to to make yourself feel better. Uh, and there's a book coming up, I guess, in our next podcast when we talk about radical honesty and honesty with ourselves as well, which would be interesting. <laughs> but another point that you touched on, which I think is really important, is when you complain about getting friend-zoned or when you're so conscious of being friend-zoned or trying to get out of the friend-zone. And like I said, that you know we can be – women can be extremely intuitive and we can almost – see the desperation or feel the desperation and we can see the intention and there's so much you know your energy holds so much whether or not you believe that it's true your energy holds so much so if you're holding intentions of I'm desperate to have sex with this person um, or prove myself that I'm fuckable or whatever that can be felt and there's nothing that you know feels worse than someone that is one pressuring you even subconsciously being like oh I know this guy's so desperate to get laid um that can just be a turn off even if you naturally would have done it anyway um 
So, you know, I did talk about, I guess I've mainly touched on the, that negative factor of why you might be getting friend zone, but there are, of course, other reasons. Um, and I spoke about this maybe in the last podcast, but I had a housemate and he is the loveliest person and genuinely the most genuine guy I've ever met. Um, one of my favorite people in the world. He was such a nice person and he constantly got friend zoned. And that was because he never wanted to make women feel um, uncomfortable. So he never wanted to be like, I don't want to touch someone without their consent. I don't want to push boundaries or like kind of pursue that just yet. I feel like it's better to make a friendship foundation first and then grow from that. But he'd be getting friend zone, friend zone, friend zone every time he went on a date because he never flirted. He never did any kind of like bands, like flirtatious banter, nothing like a little, even like a touch on the knee. He was like, I feel like that's inappropriate and could make a girl uncomfortable. And I would always try to like debate with him being like, I'm sure that there are signs, like you're an intuitive person. You could see if someone's going to be uncomfortable if you nudge them on the shoulder when you have a little giggle or something or tap their arm or tap their knee casually. It's not like you're sliding a hand up their leg on the first date. Um, so that that is an example of someone that, you know, and I do see this happen sometimes. And I, I think it's a really beautiful trait that he's so conscious of keeping women safe and comfortable. And I love that about him. Um, but unfortunately, and everyone should be like that in that, keeping that in the forefront of their mind, of course. Um, but he was, it was a, to a point that it actually pr- gave him a lot of anxiety and he was always stressing about that. Um, knowing, you know, he's, he know uh, he has a lot, a lot, majority of his friends were women. Um, so he's heard a lot of stories and it was, he was so stressed all the time. If I do that, if I touch her, if I sit too close, if I offer to pick her up in my car, it's going to make her uncomfortable. Um, and yeah, so he just got friend zoned repeatedly over and over again. And I would just push him being like, go on a date and just like brush her hand or say something flirty and touch her leg, do something. Um, and he would be like, that's not me. Anyway, he ended up being with a girl, um, based on what he said, he built a friendship (laughs) over like weeks and weeks and weeks or maybe even months. And then it turned romantic. So his way worked in the end, but God, did he face so many friend zones and rejections because he just wouldn't put out that kind of sexual chemistry there, which is an important part. Attractiveness is a hugely important part. And even me, um, dating previously and even with Adrian, actually, there were times in our early first couple of dates where I, was immediately already in my mind about to reject him, even though I really liked him because he hadn't ever tried to crack a move on me. He, we'd been on like three dates or four dates. He'd never tried to kiss me, never tried to touch my arm. And I was like, I don't think this guy is into me. I'm just like, fuck this. I'm whatever. And then I literally said to him at the end of the day, I made a joke about how he hadn't kissed me yet. And then we kissed and it was, everything was magical since then, soulmates, whatever. But it was just, and he was like, I just didn't want to like, make you feel pressured or anything. So he was the same, but not everyone is going to have that confidence or capacity that I had to be like, why haven't you kissed me yet? You know, that's an uncomfortable question to ask because you might be faced with a harsh (laughs) response or get like fully rejected. Um, And had I not asked that, maybe I would have never seen him again because I'm like, okay, we've been on like four dates, nothing's happened. There's no, like, he's never flirted with me once, never touched me, never kissed me maybe this isn't wow. a thing. Um, so Fake. thank God I asked <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or wow. pressed him or whatever. Otherwise, the rains. <laughs> yeah, there'd be no Remy. 
Um, yeah, exactly. Ooh, that wedding uh, story, uh, just on a side note, that uh, made me feel a bit guilty about something I did recently. But uh, anyway, oh. but, uh, I, I didn't go to someone's it? wedding. Okay, well, very quickly. Okay. I uh, was invited to a guy from high school's wedding. I didn't, I was not that close. I'm not that close with this guy. I, we were not friends yeah. in high school. We never really caught up. And I had the suspicion he and his uh, fiance wanted me there because of my profile. And I didn't know right. that for sure, but I had that suspicion. And I was like, all right, all right, whatever, I'll go. And I put in $300 for the, the you know, the boys were all staying beforehand and stuff. And uh, it was sort of right in the midst of in between the lockdowns and things like that. And one, it was re- it was near that last breakup I had. And also uh, some work opportunities came up. And as you know, my industry was so distraught. I called him, I gave him a few days notice, not, not many days. I didn't, I I was like, whatever I've paid for the accommodation, you know, you guys all keep that. And I said, Hey, look, I'm really sorry. I did on Facebook messenger. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I won't be able to make it. And I would have thought at a wedding with, you know, there's a lot of people going there. You would expect a few people might drop out at, yeah. at, just due to circumstances. But, and he did not like that. So, I don't know. Am I the, Reddit, Reddit.com, am I the asshole? <laughs> yeah. I don't think I am. You should. You should do it. What do you think? think? I don't uh, know. That, I'm not that, if it was a close friend, I definitely would have gone. I don't, I barely know that guy. Yeah, it's hard. The only reason I would say, I would say you're not the asshole in the sense that, you know, when Adrian and I are planning our wedding at the moment and we're like, the more people that don't want to go, the better because <laughs> whatever, it's less money, it's etc. But then that being said, if you're paying 150 or 250 or $300 per head and someone bails um, or you've said no to someone else's plus one because you have to keep your list at however many people, I do see the frustration in that. But that being said, like your reason, especially with, what was happening in your industry at that time is a very solid reason. It's not like you're like, oh, a CBF. Like it was a literal no, work opportunity that. for you. I would under- I would be very understanding of that. Um, that would make sense to me. Um, it was work if it was and like then a- I didn't want to see two people celebrate their love as well. There was a little bit of that. <laughs> it's too raw. So, yeah, it was a bit of that. And I didn't yeah. really know the guy. So I even offered, I'm like, hey, man, if it, if it costs you, whatever it costs you, I'll, 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 I'll pay you oh. that. <laughs> And then he just, yeah, no, he was not having any of it. Anyway, so, mm, okay, maybe I'm the asshole. Uh, nah, nah, no accountability. Nah, it's that guy's fault, man. I'm, I'm, per- I'm, the, I'm the nice guy. I'm perfect, bro. Totally. Uh, oh, now I forgot what we were talking about. Friend zoning, of course. Uh, you made a good point there to say that, yeah, look, what I tend to do and what maybe we, we both tend to do on this podcast is always sort of, put the blame on the person who's experiencing these things and say, all right, if you're being friend-zoned, it's probably because you've got this identity mm. of a nice guy and you're doing the wrong things when there are also people who are genuinely trying their best mm-hmm. and maybe they're, they, they, they don't have it in them to, to uh, be flirty, to mm. uh, be able to have that banter and sexual chemistry doesn't come naturally to them or maybe or they're not they may that. Or they maybe neurodivergent. Yeah, that's Which a big a one. Which is a whole other kettle of fish that's and probably one. extremely common, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's a situation where 
you can't really say to someone like that, oh, you just need to work on this, you need to work on that because their mm. brain is wired completely differently. And I, and I, yeah. I, I, but I don't, I don't, I wonder if there's, you know, certain communities or like, that could be another podcast to do. But uh, there's also just guys like the the one you mentioned who's not necessarily doing anything wrong, has the best intentions and uh, just gets friend zoned quite a lot. And, and it can, like you say, lead, lead to a lot of resentment and then they can, completely switch and become the, the that's their villain origin story yeah <laughs> and uh it's really hard because you know in in all the all the characteristics that that you need to be able to be perceived as as romantic as sexually interested you are treading a fine line you're telling people hey flirt with them hey maybe make a few sexual comments hey when the opportunity arises, do put your hand on their knee and, and put your hand on their back. And you are, you are uh, potentially risking a lot of discomfort and maybe even some really bad situations. But I think as a society, we have to get to a point where we, we say, okay, look, in the awkward world of, of dating, especially casual dating, especially casual dating for people who are young, there are going to be some awkward situations and there are going to be some situations where uh, someone could feel uncomfortable without anyone having the intention to make that person feel uncomfortable. And as long as there's a agreement of what to do then and how to articulate that, then I don't think there's anything too dangerous or nefarious in, in teaching younger boys, hey, look, this is how this is how you do flirt in a, in a healthy way. This is how you do... Um, you know, integrate uh, th- that that kind of masculine energy into your personality, but how to also uh, hint at it without it being overblown and coming across as egotistical. And again, come, I think it comes back to what I was saying before, where at least from my life and experiences, it's uh, it's about you know having the potential to be uh, dominant and confident and all these you know traditionally masculine attributes, but controlling it in a way that's emotionally intelligent and only really showing glimpses of it when it's appropriate in the context and that is a skill that's a learned skill that's something I could definitely not do at 18 let alone 24 Mm. I probably still (laughs) there's probably still times where I'm not that perfect at it now but that is something it's very hard to teach something like that it's very hard to say for people who maybe are whether they're neurodivergent but are more sort of systematizing type of people there is no real handbook there's no code of conduct or uh behavioral guidelines to say when she does i do this when you when you do that do that that doesn't exist it's all about just reading the situation i mean maybe you can have a few little vague ideas about what to say when to do this when to when to escalate and when to go for a kiss but but it really is all about reading the emotional situation, mm. isn't it? And that's not something, it's very hard to teach something like that because there's no, it's not, it's not like any other subjects, not like maths where there are rules that are consistent yeah. and you can say, all right, always in this situation, this is when you do this. It's it's just about reading the social situation. And uh, the only thing, you know, if you're developing social skills in other areas that aren't dating, I can't see how that would hurt uh, if you as a teenager going out to parties and and socially interacting and embracing things that are maybe awkward and trying to learn from it and uh, going out and talking to people, just men, women, anyone in a, in a platonic way and just developing the skill of just social intelligence and charisma, 
that is something that's going to help you a lot in the world of dating if you find yourself persistently being friend-zoned. And I remember I watched this French movie the other day and it was, I think it was even called Friend Zone, uh, but it was, there's a nurse, there's a very sort of clean, it's always the, these sorts of guys that are always in the romantic comedies, aren't they? It's uh, there's always this sort of a guy and then there's always a bad boy and then she first mm. falls with a bad boy and then he feels bad yeah. and then eventually she's like, oh, you were the one, it's just tired and it's always the same story, yeah. isn't yeah. it? But, um, I love that you were watching that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to learn French, but uh, that's oh, a long, wow. yeah, that's going to take a while. Just on that Duolingo, um, I don't know, like 17 lessons in or whatever. So it's going to wow. be a while. But uh, I was watching this and it, he, he was friends with these three women and he, uh, they could see that he was always getting friends zone, that he was always the nice guy, the good friend. And so... It was pretty ironic seeing that their strategy, and this is a movie, so by all means, like this is like I said, this is a fun podcast. Um, their strategy was to help him develop some of those more, yeah, so, sort of d- dominant, confident, charismatic qualities. They also got him to dress in a more suave way. He'd always wear sort of t-shirts and jeans, and then they got him in a nice, clean-cut suit and got a good haircut on him. But then. Yeah, he did become a villain for a while. He became a bit of an arsehole. And then, and then uh, a big point in the movie was him actually yelling at them. Like, you've made me into this arsehole where a girl that actually was interested in him then stopped being interested in him because he had developed all these kind of qualities that mm-hmm. can be also off-putting. And, and so it was this big minefield. Um, and I found it very interesting that they were basically teaching him game which is something that is often um perceived to be problematic and and an issue in society but that's i mean i don't think they were con- the writers were consciously trying to get these women to teach this guy pick up artistry and game but the things they were saying to him like when she does this you say that when you do, when she leans in you do this all these things are, yeah. are what young boys or you know, younger men learn in in game, and and um, I wonder if there's a, I guess, a more a healthier form of, or I, I mean, and I don't even think it, you know whether it's healthy, unhealthy. There's definitely certain there's a toxic side to that sort of area of the internet, uh, but some of the basic teachings and and bastions of uh, game uh, can be good and can help men. However, it's then what you do with it, right? It's if you're then going to go on and basically just try to sleep with as many women as you can. I get, I look, again, if it's all consensual, go for it. But I just uh, I don't think that's a particularly good way to live your life. Um, exactly, so yeah. all of this is such a – isn't it such a minefield because you want to – and I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this who are maybe friend zone getting frustrated because they think, well – you're saying you can't, there is no guidelines, there's no exacting I have to do, I just have to read the cues. Well, I mean, that's, it's almost like that's the best thing you can say at this point because if you say direct things like, oh, be more masculine, confident, make a move, put your, put your hand on her knee, put your hand around her, you are creating the, the, a greater potential for discomfort on the yeah. woman's part. Now, those are yeah. things, yeah, you should do in the context when it's appropriate. But to develop the skill of knowing when that's appropriate it takes time. And it also, 
can, um, if you're a young guy trying to learn this, you can sometimes make those mistakes and that's how you learn from it. Now, as long as the cost of that mistake is not, if it's discomfort, I think hopefully people can sort of understand, all right, that guy didn't necessarily mean to put his arm around my shoulder. He just, he thought it was appropriate at the time. But of course there's a, there's a line to which then you, you, you can't cross. Uh, but like with any skill, um, you're never going to be that good at it when you start doing it. Some people are naturals and some yeah. people are not. And you have to you have to go on a lot of dates and a lot of awkward dates sometimes. And you have to uh, learn when to, you should always err on the side of, you know, being cautious. But eventually, like with your friend, you got to, you got to kind of escalate and you got to, if you think, all right, it's, it's, it seems like this is the appropriate time to lean in for a kiss. There's a time when you got to bite the bullet and just do it. Um, but like I said, it's, it's, how do you feel as a woman hearing something like that? Because I'm, I would guess there's, it's, it's a very fine line to tread because you, you're sort of telling boys also, oh, look, be a bit more sexually aggressive when the time is appropriate, but also know when that time is. And it's very, it's very convoluted, it's isn't hard. it? Yeah, it's a hard thing to balance. And I remember I went on a date once with a guy and he picked me up from his car and we drove like, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. So we had a long, a semi-long time to have a chat and get to know each other in the car. And we've been talking for weeks beforehand. And in the car ride, I was kind of thinking, we're on our way to dinner, but I, I already can tell. I'm, I don't think I'm vibing it with him. I didn't think the attraction was there. Anyway, when we got out of the car, he immediately went and Hold my hand like locked up into locked our fingers together and I was like oh, a little bit whatever I didn't care too much I just I didn't pull my hand away I just left it there and he squeezed my hand and then he goes I'm in or something or he said it maybe later on like I knew I was in and I was like what do you mean and he goes this is it's my sign um I can always tell when a woman wants me when I, I always go to hold her hand, I drive her to a date, I hold her hand, I squeeze it, and if she squeezes back, I know she wants me. And I was like, but did I fucking squeeze back? Shit. Like, I didn't think I squeezed back. I didn't want to squeeze back. Take back my squeeze. Um, but, yeah, that was completely misread. Um, so it is one of those things to balance. Like, you have to take in the social cues. You have to take in, you know, the flirtatious banter. I would always say, you know, previously, I would say, like, on a non-professional note, um, to my friends that a safer option is like when you're walking a little um, a hand rested on the back like not an arm around just a hand touch on the lower back um, because my friend when she went on a date a guy did this um, when they were walking home she wasn't into him so she just walked half a step further and the hand broke off that was it that was his sign and he knew he didn't try anything from there it was done um, and then this has been done to me and I've been into a guy and first of all I find it like quite gentlemanly and nice and then if you start a little touch I lent into it instantly lent into him like into his arm into his side and I think that's like a key point as much as I don't want to give advice on it because you can always kind of go wrong but if I were to give advice it would be start and instigate a tiny touch that is that is appropriate and if that is one amplified or responded to with someone else that's that's a green light. Um, I did this when on that date I went with Adrian where he still hadn't kissed me. And in the movies, we went to the movies, 
cliche. And I was like, he's not even holding my hand in the movies. And I was like, think was, I couldn't even watch the movie. I was thinking about the whole time we're just sitting there like side by side. We can't talk and we barely know each other. So I just put my hand on his arm. And then immediately upon doing that, he grabbed my hand and held it the whole movie. It was like once I had broken the touch barrier and he knew this is okay, um, he went with it. So maybe you can take that as a cue instead of you can, one, try break the touch barrier appropriately or you can wait and see if someone actually touches that with you because there have certainly been times where I had, you know, maybe reached out or touched someone's leg and laughed and that is a way of flirting but it's been complete, it's gone over their head. Um, whereas I find that women are much more able to pick up when a man is attracted to them than vice versa. Um, that being said, like I said before, it is really hard if you're neurodivergent and I'd love to do a podcast on should you be disclosing or is it is it a good idea to disclose beforehand if you are to workplaces, to romantic potential partners um, and how to kind of navigate that I think would be a good thing to explore. But it is really hard to be like, do I look for this? Do I look for that? And I'm all for just being upfront and asking, like checking in and being like, I like would be more than happy if a guy asked me on his date and be like, hey, you reckon we're vibing? Like, do you reckon this is like... This is a vibe, really? you and I? Would yeah. You, okay. I think it's fine. Like, and if someone gets turned off by that question, so fucking what? Like, who cares? If someone's like, oh my God, he asked me if I think we're connecting while we're on a romantic date. Like, okay, that's her problem or his problem for getting so up in arms and offended or icked by that. Like, hmm. it's such a simple question. I think it's just better to just be upfront and be like, I'm curious. Like, I've certainly asked guys, been like, so like now that you've met me, like are you like attracted to me? And basically every time it's been met with something positive. Um, and if not, that never happened, but I probably wouldn't care. Like if if someone was like, yeah, you know, I'm really liking our chat, but I don't th- see this, you know, this isn't a thing. I'd be like, cool, thanks, yeah, whatever. Like this thing, it's, it, I know like we always talk about like it's a kind of like a game at some point where you're kind of throwing things out and seeing what is return, catch and serve, whatever. But serve and return, I mean, but you can just ask, <laughs> you know. And I'm all, I'm all for, like, asking for a kiss. I've had so many men I – mean, this makes me sound like a whore, but I don't care. I've had so many guys be like, can I kiss you on a first or second date? And I love that. I think that's, like, wholesome and kind of sexy. Like, I'm not, like, all like, eh, he asked me, just do it. You can just ask. Yeah. And if someone's like, um, the fact you asked me, sorry, that turns me off. Well, that's on them. You're incompatible. <laughs> yeah, asking's probably, if you're unsure at that point, asking's probably a good strategy. Yeah. And yeah, some people might be turned off by that, but uh, still better to, to just ask. Yeah, it's on if, them. If anything, yeah, that probably says something about them. Um, yeah, isn't it? Uh, isn't it? funny how much of a minefield this is wow i think <laughs> if you're a young guy as well waiting yeah. look you're gonna get if you're in your you know 19 20 21 it's just yeah people aren't that confident then and they yeah, haven't really it's harder when you're younger it's much harder people would say it's easier it's not yeah, it's harder. It's so much harder because you don't have the confidence to to maybe mm-hmm. just express exactly what you want. It's all it's all very much a game. Um, and no, I definitely enjoyed dating much more in my mid twenties than my early twenties. Yeah. Just so much Same. less awkward and 
I had a lot of awkward times where I, you know, went in for a kiss and she was like, what are you doing? And things like that and it's not nice. <laughs> so oh, uh, yeah, it's uh, very awkward and, and you don't want to do that. You, as a guy, you don't want to make it awkward. You want it to be smooth. You want it to be romantic. Sexy. You want it to be sexy. You want it to be um, yeah. like the movies. And, and uh, it ta- it's it, – like I said, like with any skill, it takes practice and, and you have to be willing to put yourself into a position where you're going to get rejected because if you're not, you're not going to learn. And if you're too worried about just being rejected, whether that's a kiss or just being put in the friend zone, well, then if you're just going to avoid it because you're scared of that, well, then you're not going to be able to learn from it. And you have to be willing to put yourself in that physically vulnerable position um within within reason obviously but uh i don't think those dating gurus and and dating coaches are, a, a lot of them are pretty cringy I've, I've seen a few of them and i i i wouldn't be going out i know some people pay a lot of money for these kind of guys and look if it's a if it's a 30 dollar book or something go for it but some of these courses or unless are, it's me you can oh come of course to me. yeah yeah uh some of these courses are just unbelievable. Dodgy. Yeah, two hundred dollars yeah. a session. They just teach you how to be misogynistic. Yeah, I mean, they teach they opinion. they 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 prey on the 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 resentful nice guy, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, they use that as like the they, motivator. It's a villain or yeah, it's kind of a villain origin story, and yeah. you know they um, and but the really the 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 thing well, we we're sort of getting to the hour point here, but as you've touched on in previous podcasts and I have too, we are also not immune to our uh, animal and biological impulses. And sometimes that kind of asshole is very attractive because, you know, in um, in a Darwinian context, this is a guy who could, who, who has traits that hint at the fact that he'd be able to obtain resources, he'd be able to dominate other people, he'd be able to uh, win in the social game, if you will. And so for a lot of people that can be um, subconsciously attractive and and there's also a process of sexual selection, female sexual selection more than anything that that is amplified in a in an online dating casual dating environment and and what I mean by that is say in the in the animal world there's certain animals where there's more female agency in the, the the males of the species that they choose, right? So for birds, um, mm-hmm. most bird species and things, they the the men will do a little dance or make a nest or something, and or the peacock will display their feathers, and then the women ultimately choose, do I want to mate with them? Whereas in I think it's the sea lion, or just in in I think gorillas in in some species that are, that are very patriarchal, you could say, uh, basically the 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 male that just essentially kills all the other men <laughs> gets to mate with uh, a huge portion of the of the females and they found that in the this is in the book evolution of beauty really interesting they found that in the species with more female mate choice the animals were far more colorful and vibrant and mm. would do things like sing songs and do dances like with birds and then in the species where there was just um complete male um you know one dominant alpha male that has a harem uh, it was always just the biggest, strongest, most aggressive species, and so mm. I wonder if now, because we live in a in a world where there's a lot of female agency, there's a lot of female uh, 
sexual selection. And then there's also a very casual dating market in, in big cities. Uh, what we're seeing is uh, the, the sexual selection behavioral consequences of that. So uh, as much as, I, like I said, men should not just de define their entire personality and characteristics based on what they think women want, we're never mm. entirely immune to this. We're still, um, we're still animals who want to mate uh, right at the bottom of our brains there. And, mm. you know, we're going to want to um, try and emulate characteristics that will give us mating success. And if we have this kind of casual dating environment where there's, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of younger women who are making choices as well, whether that's going to, not in, and, and no way is this sort of blaming women or, or anything like that, but whether just those factors uh, will actually encourage those more um, bad boy esque, yeah, Harrison from Maps, Machiavellian type behavior in men. I know that's the Jordan, Jordan Peterson talks about that a lot, how he's saying online dating and the way dating is now, it actually encourages men to be assholes because you get more success being an arsehole than you do being um, not, not a, not, I wouldn't say a nice guy, but, you know, not an arsehole. I feel like times have changed <laughs> since he started saying that maybe like 10 years ago. But I don't know. I think in my opinion, I take my views a little bit about, you know, evolutionary biology and things like that are actually changing a little bit. Um, and there's newer research coming out that's basically saying that it may not be as, a driving as much of a driving force as we have previously believed it to be. Because when you think about it back in the day when we had tribes and we, you know, we're using our reptilian brain, it's all about survival, mating. Our, our brains have evolved so much that we are so heavily in this day and age led by our neocortex brain, um, which is the most evolved, that we think more with logic rather than about survival these days. So, of course, there are still intrinsic drives, but I don't think that they are maybe as powerful or potent as um, – as has previously been made out to be. So, and this is one of the interesting things, I guess, about science and research is that you might believe something and it's been said for hundreds of years and now it's like, maybe not, you know, just kind of like how all of a sudden they're finding out recently that there may have been up to 40 to 50% of women hunters. So it wasn't just that men were hunters and women's were gatherers. Maybe it was actually shared amongst many tribes around the world. So who really knows? But I think that another important point that I really want to touch on is that men are not the only ones that are friend zoned and women can be friend zoned too. And I find that this can be particularly accurate for women that aren't hyper feminine. Um, and then I guess that actually does fall back into the biology aspect of it or the intrinsic nature that if someone doesn't have long hair or boobs or an ass or hips or you know isn't have a high-pitched voice um isn't flirtatious wear makeup or whatever isn't a feminine person my friends that aren't feminine looking or maybe in their personality aren't that feminine find it so hard to get guys attracted to them and they're straight um so i think that that is another aspect as well. It's, you know, in the same point, we can look at men getting rejected being like, oh, women have all the power, but it's like, yeah, women have all the power if they fit into the box that men find attractive. So it, it does, you know, it's completely equal. It goes both ways in that sense. Um, so I just want to put that as a little disclaimer. And the last thing I want to say, another factor is, is that if you find you've been consistently put into the friend zone for either or all genders, um, have a look at, is there a specific type of person 
that you are heavily attracted to because there are people that have childhood wounds or trauma, whatever, that are specifically attracted to subconsciously drawn to people that they are knowing will reject them or one, that's one, or two, you may have low self-esteem and a narrative about yourself saying, I can't get women, I can't, no one's attracted to me, so you are subconsciously, you know, your ego always wants to prove yourself right. So your ego is going out and finding women that aren't going to be attracted to you and are going to reject you to further prove to yourself my narrative about myself is correct. So there's a lot of things to consider and I guess the takeaway message from me is not only do you have to read the social cues and, you know, all these things, but you have to look really like take a step back and do a bird's eye view on what's going on. Who are you attracted to? Who are you dating? What are your reasons if you're getting friend zoned? Are you getting reasons? Is there any patterns? Are you actually honest with yourself about your personality traits and are there blind spots that you might have? I think that it's a big reflective moment for us all to have if you're you know finding yourself getting friend zoned a lot Mm. yeah absolutely and and probably should have touched on the women who get friend zoned as well uh Mm. it's it's less common but yeah you you know you are right but then that sort of if they're not getting um romantic interest because they're perceived as less feminine then doesn't it sort of show that we're not as in touch with our logic brain as we yeah, Maybe yeah, exactly. That's what I said. That's another contradictory. Who knows? Who yeah. really knows? I just don't want people to get driven by that being like, I have to be macho or dominant. Um, I don't want that to be the takeaway message because people might use their logic brain and be like, okay, I'm looking at starting, or maybe this is actually even your primitive brain being like, I'm looking at starting a family. I need a man that is sensitive, um, emotionally mature, that is kind and gentle. Like maybe that's the 2023 version of what we need in order to procreate. Whereas hundreds of years ago, you would need someone that's a good fighter and a good resource gatherer. You know, that's what I mean by like times are changing and it's really like the way our brains have developed and our attraction has has developed as well over time. That's that's very true. And in, in this day and age, to be a good father, it's not the same traits that you would have needed in a dangerous mm. environment. And I always, I mean, I could do a joke about this, but I always thought it'd be funny if they had like a bachelor or maths houseos version where there's a very dangerous environment. <laughs> and, and I, I, I don't know if women would be like, I want him to be sensitive and vulnerable. They'd be like, oh, fuck, I yeah. want him to be able to punch on at any moment. So Shank someone. the yeah. environment <laughs> definitely determines what is attractive yeah. in, in yeah. well, just to a certain degree, what may be attractive uh, to the opposite partner. Um, your upbringing, your parent, everything. Yeah, so I, I guess I, the, 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 the newer um, ideas are coming about more in the context of online dating and how that's changed. Um, which is another podcast in itself, like how online dating has changed. Uh, so uh, d- dating apps, mm-hmm. I should say specifically, uh, because it does, you know, commodifies everyone and it's a very fast paced, what is exciting to me, what is titillating, what is going to, um, you know, gain my interest. So that maybe has brought out, you know, just uh, the some of those more reptilian instincts more so than people realized. Uh, but as you say, there's a lot of research that kind of points in all sorts of directions and there's so many ways to mm. interpret that and uh, mm. there's no real consensus on what these sorts of, uh, coll- what the, 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 the collective conclusions are about dating today and 
on an individual level, I think if you are being friend zone, all the things you say are correct. Uh, if you've got a narrative about yourself that you're constantly being friend zone, now this is going to sound weird. Even if you always have been friend zone, you sort of have to lie to yourself a little bit and and tell yourself, no, I am attractive. I am a very attractive man. And you just keep kind of telling yourself that you start acting in a way that you are. And uh, there's a lot of YouTube channels with affirmations about that. Uh, there's one mindful wave studio is really good. So all of those sorts of things do help. And yeah, uh, it would be good to do a podcast on how dating apps have changed. Mm. Not just, uh, not just dating, but society. I think that'll be a really interesting one. Um, any final thoughts on people who are always getting friend zoned? Good luck. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, just um, like you said, I think it just comes down to an emotional maturity and having, you know, a, the understanding of your psychology. Look up self fulfilling prophecies. Look up, you know, analyze. I don't want to say analyze your childhood, but just know knowing yourself and knowing who you are is going to be the key to this to un- to figuring this out. That's really it. That's very true. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Share this podcast. If you liked it, subscribe on uh, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Podcast, Instagram, Podcast, TikTok. We're all over the place. Uh, the best way to grow a podcast is with people sharing it, telling their friends about it. So anything that you do in that regard would be greatly appreciated. Thanks very much, guys. See you next week.